Well, good morning, church. Hey, if you're new with us, thanks for being here this morning. My name is Lance Stockton. I'm the campus pastor. We are in a series called How Faith Works. And so this morning, you're going to need your Bibles. So just go ahead and grab those. We're going to jump right in like we did last week, James chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to stop and pray for us. I told the team this morning, like, I don't know what happened when I woke up this morning, but my, like, ADD is off the charts right now, okay? So I've thought about everything you could think about while we've been worshiping this morning. And so I'm running laps in my mind, and I need to calm down, and we're going to pray, and then we'll get into the Word, all right? Jesus, thanks. Thanks that we can stand here and sing that it's in you alone that we find our power, that we find our strength, that we find everything that we need. And I just pray this morning as we look at James that the word would become real and alive and living and active in us. Holy Spirit, would you move in our hearts? Take us from this place of belief to faith, faith that works. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I don't know if you, you watch shows, if you're a big Netflix person, I don't know what you watch, but I, we, we, we do have Netflix. We have a lot of things, but we have Netflix, and there's this new show on Netflix, and I'm gonna, I can't tell you, I'm not going to say the show because um, I've only watched half of an episode, and so I can't even promote it or tell you not to watch it because I've watched half an episode, okay? Uh, and so, but th- this new show is promoted, and the big thing in, that's new and fascinating about it is that you can watch it in any order you want to, the episodes, which makes no sense in my mind. Okay, now I just got done telling you that I have ADD, which you're like, that should fit you, right? But the problem is somewhere in the ADD, there's also this streamlined straight thinking, right? And so I watched, we started with the first episode. And if I watch the show, I will watch it by the episodes that they're listed. Episode one, episode two, episode three. I'm not going to mix them up. It's not in my nature to do something like that. Right? And so I'm just going to watch it straight through. Now, uh, Netflix hasn't called me yet. I'm waiting. Right? Because if they want us to watch a show out of order, then they need to, every time the page loads, put the show in a different order. Right? I mean, if they do that in the next month, somebody call them and tell them, they, they need to call me. I need rights on that. Okay? Like, I just gave them a great idea. Like, how do you watch a show out of order? Like, I can't do that, especially if you put the episode numbers on them. Then I'm like, hey, we really can't do that, right? There's something to be caught here and watching them in order. But when I read the book of James, sometimes I'm like, you didn't put anything in order, James. Right, look, what are we doing here? You, you threw out one line about this, and then you're going this way. Like, sometimes when I read James, I'm, I, I think James maybe struggled with some ADD himself, right? That's just my thought, I don't know that to be true. That's not in scripture, but I think he did. Because when you read the first chapter of James, we're like, we are moving fast and we're going here and we're going there. But in our passage this morning, I would suggest, and I believe, that we're going to read the verse that ties everything together for the rest of the conversation. I know that's a big statement, but I believe that to be true. And so we're going to read it the way James would want of us to read it, the way he wrote it. But then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do exactly what I just said I wasn't going to do. I'm going to take episode two first, and then we'll kind of jump around, okay? I'm a hypocrite. All right, here we go. James 1, verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. 
Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're only fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for the orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So I would suggest that the piece that is the the key to this is verse 21. It says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. I would almost suggest uh, the ESV over the NLT here because the ESV says uh, the word of God that's been implanted in your hearts. And I say that because um, I don't know how you feel about this, but I I think when we are born, there's something else in our hearts. There's this desire for number one. There's this desire to please myself. There's a desire to take care of me. And God has to implant something where something used to be. In fact, um, if you think about an implant, right? Like I just think about an amputation, you lose a leg, what are you doing? You're implanting another leg where there once was a leg. You see, there's this desire in us that is good, but the desire is for the wrong thing. And so I think God, what God does is he takes the desire for the wrong thing out. That's the first part of the passage. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And then humbly accept what? The implanted word of God. He's implanted it in your heart. In fact, it points back to verse 18. Because verse 18 says, he chose you, right? He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. He chose, listen, you guys were already born when you accepted Jesus, right? So what is he giving you birth in? He's giving you birth in this implanting of the new word. There's this new desire. You have this desire that you have new direction for. It's no longer the direction for me, me, me. It's the direction for him and what he wants. Those of you out there who are married know how hard this is. Or at least uh, maybe you're not as bad as me, right? When we got married, uh, it was, I mean, for 23 years of my life, I'd thought about one person. This guy, Right? I got married and all of a sudden I'm supposed to think about somebody else. I remember the first time this like hit me. I had made some plans with some buddies after we got home from our honeymoon. And after work, I was just gonna go over there. I was gonna eat dinner. We were gonna play video games for a while. And then I'd go home when I went home. Well, guess who called? My wife. Hey, what are you doing? I'm chilling with the boys. You're not gonna tell me that? I gotta tell you that, right? No effect to you, right? Yeah, I know, I'm a difficult person to be married to, okay? I learned real quick, I gotta stop thinking just about me. What, what, what James is telling us is there's this, there's this transformation that takes place. And trust me, this is by the Holy Spirit, it's not by you. 
It's this transformation. But, but what I need you to understand this, we gotta make a distinction right here. We gotta stop and just make a distinction because what we're talking about, the crowd that James is referencing here, they're not non-believers. They're not those who aren't following Christ. He's talking to us who follow Christ. The same is true for us this morning. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what I'm going to preach for the rest of this morning, it doesn't apply to you yet. It just doesn't. Because I don't know how we're supposed to expect someone who doesn't believe in Jesus as the Lord and Savior to act the way we're talking about this morning. I've got a good friend who's leading one of our high school small groups of girls. And I'll just be honest with you, probably eight out of the 10 girls don't know Jesus. And this leader is pretty frustrated, consulted another leader, and in that wisdom by the Holy Spirit, that leader encouraged this leader, hey, I don't know why you're expecting so much out of the girls in their small group time. Eight of them don't, 80% of them don't even know Jesus. How can they focus on the word and have conversations about something they don't even probably fully get yet? Right? So there's this distinction between those who are not followers of Christ and those who are. And he is talking this morning to those who are. I think I'm talking to a majority room of those who are probably. And so that's an assumption on my behalf, but I think I'm good with that one this morning, okay? And it says, get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. You see, it's one thing, uh, we wanna make this distinction in this series. It's one thing to believe in God and in his word. It's another thing to have faith. And I say those two things because the word of God distinguishes between these two things. In fact, Jesus distinguished between these two things. In fact, Jesus said one point to religious leaders of the day, that's the Pharisees, uh, the religious uh, people in the temple who were the teachers. And it was, it was those uh, who would qualify in our mind as people who would sit in this room. And he said this to them, you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. John eight thirty seven. You seek to kill me because my word has found no place in you. Wait a second, they're the religious teachers. They're the preachers. They're the ones working in the temple. They're the ones that supposedly get it. They're the ones that were raised in it. And yet, who was it that wanted to kill Jesus? It's the religious leaders. Because it hadn't been fully implanted. They hadn't accepted humbly the word of God, which was planted in them. We'll get to this uh, in a few weeks, but I'm gonna reference it. It says this in, in chapter two, verse 19 of James. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the de- demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? It's useless. You believe that there is a God good. You know what? Satan believes that. You don't see him out there doing good things, do you? We know what his role is. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy. So you're telling me you're just as good as that? Great. Good for you. The question this morning, and listen, this isn't my words. This is James' words. I'm not 
mocking you. It's James who's telling us, like, great, that belief is not enough. It's got to take faith, and faith forms action. And so if you come in here and you believe, and you think, hey, yeah, there is a God, I believe that, he's a good guy, but then you walk out of the room, and you don't think about him again until the next Sunday when you come in, and you're like, yeah, he's a good guy, I believe in him, I'm here at the church, like, I'm supporting the church. That's not enough. It's just not. And that's not me saying that, that's James saying that. And now he makes a different distinction as we continue to move on in this. And this is what I want you to hear this morning, is that the implanted word produces faith that's seen. The implanted word, when it really is implanted in us, when we really are humbly accepting it, it produces a faith that is seen. You can see it. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you interact with people and you're like, man, there's... They've got to love Jesus. Why are you saying that? Because of something that you saw in them, something you saw them do, the way they handled a situation, the way they talked to somebody or addressed an issue. Because our faith has got to be seen in some way, shape, or form. So this is where he continues. So this is now another distinction, okay? The rest of this is about another distinction. Those who believe and those who have faith. He says, verse 22, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Did you hear that? It's one thing to listen to God's word. It's another thing to do what it says. James goes as far to say, if all you're doing is listening, you're fooling yourself. You're pretending. You're playing church. I don't know if you knew this or not, but I don't want you to play church. I don't want to play church. I, I am messed up inside. I need help with that. I want to be connected to the source that can help me with that. I want to be humbly accepting the implanted word that can change my life. You can't just listen to it. Verse 23, for if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at yourself in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Now, I was trying to think how to relate this, and I had a story that I was going to tell you, uh, but then one of our wise pastors told me, you probably shouldn't tell that story because it's about one of your kiddos, and, and then that'll cause some issues. And so I'll just tell a story about myself, okay? Listen, I know how diets work, right? I believe diets work. I believe that if you exercise, eat right, get enough sleep, you'll lose weight. I believe that 115% because I've seen it change people's lives. Problem is, I don't really have a whole lot of faith in it because I keep eating Taco Bell. That ain't on the diet plan. Although I did see the other day, somebody ate Taco Bell like for like one time every day for a month, and he actually lost weight, his clutch, anyways, yeah, moving. <laughs> Thank you. Talk about lover over there. <laughs> I believe that those things are good for me, but I just don't have the faith to actually lean into them, to put them into action, to actually do them. That's why I don't lose weight. 
There's a difference between believing and having faith and making an action. Do you see that? The same thing is true. I can believe that God is good. I can believe that he is the creator of all things. I can believe that. But if I don't have faith that then turns into action, it is no good. It's as useless as me knowing a diet plan will work and doing nothing with it. That's what James is saying. Look, you look at yourself in the mirror, you walk away and you forget. That's not the goal of this. 25, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I don't know what your quiet time looks like. I did something different this year. I'm gonna go through the Bible in a year, but I'm doing it through version. I have opinions about version. You probably wouldn't like them very much. I'm not gonna share them with you, right? But I'm doing this and where I just listen to God's word. I don't actually read it. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I feel like I'm cheating. I don't feel like I'm doing it right. But I'm like, nope, I committed to doing this for this whole entire year. I'm just gonna listen to it. I'm not going to read it. Not, not like read the Bible at all this year. I'm not saying that, okay? Let's careful, Lance, right? During my quiet time, I'm going to listen to some other guy read me Exodus 16, 17 and 18. I did that this morning. Right? It's, it's different because I'm, I'm taking it in in a different way. But I can't tell you what way you need to take it in. I'm an audible learner. I'm a visual learner. I'm better if you show me how to do something. If you just sit me in a room and explain to me how to change my oil, I will fall asleep on you. If you show me how to change my oil, I'll be able to change my oil the rest of my life. Because I'm visual, I'm audible, I can hear it, I can see it, I can do it. And honestly, when I've, when I've spent time doing that, it has changed the way I've seen scripture. I'm, I'm connecting dots that I never connected before. It's been fascinating so far. So I'm not suggesting that for you. Maybe you need to do that. But what I've found is I'm not forgetting what I heard. I'm walking away thinking about it the rest of the day. And and that time, listen, notice this. If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The blessing isn't in the beginning. Right? The test comes, then the blessing. The word of God comes, then the blessing. Did you notice a little bit of a rhythm here? God wants you actually living the life and then the blessing will come. The implanted word of God produces faith that is seen. He tells us three things. To carefully look into the perfect law, do what it says, and don't forget what you heard. Those are the marching orders. Those are the marching orders. I lost my place. I got fired up. Give me a second. Okay, back to what I was just talking about. I didn't lose my place. I was already going there. <laughs> this is fun this morning. I told you I got a little ADD going on. Here's the thing. The only way for this to actually happen is for you to create a place for the word to be implanted. You got to create a place. Listen, I don't know if you're a morning person or a night person. I'm a morning person. After 10 o'clock, you ask me to write anything, it's going to be ugly. 
And so for me, this is in the morning. I get up and I just listen. Right now, what I do is listen to the word of God. And I spend time in prayer every morning. Because if I don't have a place to do that, I do that at my kitchen table. I do that with every other house in the light office except for right above my kitchen table. Usually with my water bottle and something to eat. I'm creating a place to humbly accept the word that God has implanted in me every day. Now, do I do it perfectly every day? No. Don't put me on some kind, I know I'm on a pedestal, right? Don't put me on a pedestal. Right, I already told you, when the Psalms, I got 11 days behind one time. Fred laughed at me when I told him that. Shut up, Fred, right? I caught up, don't worry, right? It doesn't happen every day, but if you do not create a place for that to happen, it's not just gonna happen. I, th- I think back to school, right? My mom used to tell me this all the time. What are you gonna do, sleep under your algebra book? Like, you're gonna put it underneath your pillow and hope that it all just gets into your head? Yeah, shut up, mom, right? Like, I don't like studying algebra. Algebra stinks. The same is true for you and I. We carry our Bibles in our pockets around or we put our Bible next to our nightstand and somehow we think that all of a sudden it's just gonna jump into our heads. How foolish is that? You're not taking time to read it. How the heck is it gonna get in there? It's the same as high school algebra. It didn't osmosis. It's study. It's figuring out, creating a space for that to be implanted into you. Realize that it's implanted in you. And to engage with it, to have faith, and to turn it into action. It's not going to happen because your Bible just sits at your bedside. You've got to create a place. And then this, this part, I don't even know what to do with this part except for just read it to you. Because this is just brutal. This is brutal. You think our religion isn't offensive? Listen to James right here. 26, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Did you catch that? If you can't control your tongue, your religion is pretty much worthless. Think about all the things you said this past week. They're glorifying to God. When they're honoring to him, the way you talk about your coworkers, things you say to your spouse, lyrics you sing out of your mouth, that's got some weight to it. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. James gives us three things, and I want to just look at them real quick. Three things. Faith is seen through the control of our tongue. Go back up to the beginning. Understand this. This is where, you know, James kind of jumps around, right? Why did you start this conversation up here and then come back to it down there? Anyways, understand this. My dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. If you claim to be religious, you've got to control your tongue. And we're going to talk about that more at length in a couple of weeks, so I don't want to get too deep into that one. But if you're not controlling your tongue, your religion is, is worthless. Why? Because what you're saying doesn't match up with what 
you say you are. Right? Well, I follow Christ, but, but I'll talk about him all day long. I got it on the back. I don't have my phone up here. Fred gave it to us almost two years ago. A passage in the message. Speak truth. Act right. Walk straight. I've been staring at that for two years. It's a struggle every day. It's a struggle every day to control this thing in my mouth. But you know what? That's how our faith is seen. Faith is seen through the control of our tongue. Faith is seen through caring for widows and orphans. Orphans and widows in Jamestown would have been the most defenseless people out there. We know this about Old Testament and New Testament, that, that the patriarch, the man in the family is what brought security. It's what brought income. It's what brought uh, sustainability to the family. And so you remove that or both, mom and dad, and an orphan is absolutely defenseless. A widow is absolutely defenseless. There would be people who would prey on those who lost their husbands for their gain. Now, I don't know how you feel today in 2023, but that's the way it was in Bible times, right? And our job as a church, true, I mean, listen to this, listen to these words, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God means taking care of the orphans and the widows. It's a strong, strong statement. If you want your faith to be seen, take care of those who are defenseless. Give a voice to those who are voiceless. It's why we have ministries in this church that care for those who are defenseless. We have ministries that support those who are fostering. We have ministries that support those who have kids who have special needs. I don't know if you saw the outlines of the bodies right here in the hallway. We had a respite night Friday night, and it looks like they had a heyday. My favorite is Remy. That's Philip's little boy. There ain't no outline there. It's just a bunch of scribbles. He's about yay tall. Got all the energy in the world. He's my man, right? It's why we recently formed a group of widows that meet together just to live life and support one another. This wasn't about me whatsoever, but there just seemed to be woman after woman being left by the loss of her husband, and I'm sitting there, and I've got a list of widows in my journal, and I thought, why am I praying for all these women, and they don't know each other? And so, I, by, led by the Holy Spirit, I just asked one of them, I said, will you lead a group of widows? Thank the Lord, she said yes. And it's beautiful. She's so fired up every time she sees me to tell me what they're doing. We had 13 this past week. That's our job. That's what, that's what pure and genuine religion is, according to James. And then catch this. Faith is seen through the control of our tongue. Faith is seen through the caring of orphans and widows. And faith is seen through refusing to let the world corrupt you. I listened to a pastor this past week, and I straight up steal this, right? He was talking about this very passage and how we stuff ourselves full of stuff, things, noise, busyness, Right? He likened it to Thanksgiving Day. We all know what Thanksgiving Day looks like, right? You don't get up and eat breakfast on Thanksgiving Day. The feast is coming. Right? But if you're talking about us and us being corrupted by the world, we get up on Thanksgiving Day and we pick out a nice loaf of white bread and we just start eating it. 
And we eat the whole loaf. So by the time we get to the feast, we're so stuffed, we're about to vomit. We don't even want to eat the turkey. We don't want to eat the pie. We don't want to eat the green bean casserole. Gosh, I'm getting hungry. We don't want to eat it. He said, we're so busy stuffing ourselves right when we get up with Fox News, with last night's ESPN scores, with a Netflix binge we just went through. We're so busy stuffing ourselves with our schedules and our business meetings that by the time we get to the feast, we don't got any room. This is why you gotta create a place to engage the implanted word in your life because you're gonna stuff yourself full of everything else and by the time you get to God's word, you're gonna have nothing left. It's got to come first. Refuse to let the world corrupt you. But in order that, you've got to create a place for the word to be implanted. You've got to create a place. If you don't have a designated place in your home to read God's word, get one. Create one. If it's not comfortable, sell that chair and buy a new one. I don't care what you have to do, just create a place that you can go back to every day. I'll close with this. I was a sophomore in college when I lost the most important man in my life, and that was my grandfather. Do you know this? I've told you this story. I got back to Taylor University, and one of my best friends said, I want you to read Romans 8 every single day until you believe it. I read it for two months, and one of the other pastors pointed this out. I'd put the story in there and I couldn't figure out how it tied in. And, and he said, where did you read Romans 8 every day? I said, I read it on the back porch of Garrig Hall in Upland, Indiana, overlooking Taylor Lake. I, I actually, this is something I have a weird obsession in me. When I find a new song, I just put it on repeat and listen to it for hours. I listened to the same song the entire time I was reading Romans 8 for two months. It was the same place. I sat at the same picnic table. I looked at the same lake. I read the same Bible. For two months, every single morning. Until the word that God implanted in me became something I actually believed. That God does work all things for our good. That no, there is nothing, including life or death, that can separate us from the love of Christ. Over and over and over again. The implanted word in our lives is what produces a faith that is seen. You've got to, you have to create a place to be able to engage that implanted word. Let me pray for us. God, we need your help. I don't think anybody in this room walked in this room not desiring to be closer to you today. But the truth is, is that we stuff ourselves with so many other distractions, so many other things that are out there, even good things like basketball games through our sports program. And yet we need you to help us to discern that moment and that time where we sit with you in the same place We meet you. We create a place for you to remind us that you've implanted something so much greater than this world inside of us. Something that's living and active 
And that desire is to be seen by this world. Holy Spirit, would you remind us that we have faith in something so much greater than what this world has to offer. Jesus, would you do that with us this week? Would you meet us? And as Philip said, would we just take you by the collar and get face to face with you every single day? And would you help us make our faith work this week? We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.